Welcome to another edition of Life Behind Bars. I'm Noah Rothbaum, the Daily Beast Half Full Editor. Joining me, as always, is my colleague and co-host, David Weingart. Howdy. Welcome. We have a special episode today for a big holiday, a scotch holiday, one of my favorite type of holidays this week, um, Burns Night. And uh, joining us from Abelauer Scotch is our friend Andy Weir. How are you doing, Andy? Good morning. Howdy, as I should hey, Andy. say. How are you doing? Good, nice good to see time. you both. Thank you for coming and bringing uh, some whiskey. Our uh, favorite way to record an episode, I think, <laughs> is, is with a little sipping a little something special. And it is five o'clock somewhere. Absolutely. Not if, here, though. If not here. <laughs> I, you know, close, close enough. Close enough. It's close always over. close enough when you've got good whiskey. <laughs> Dave and I are professionals. We're willing to taste whiskey at all hours, <laughs> if, right. if that's what it entails. Um, obviously, this is a big week for, for you and, and, and Scotland, I would say. It is, yeah. I mean, Burns Night, twenty fifth of January, comes around every year. Uh, Burns was a was a great hero of Scotland and actually a great hero of mine. And uh, it's pretty it's pretty amazing after all these years, two hundred and fifty or so years, that people all over the world still celebrate the guy. Robert Burns, obviously the I guess the national poet of Scotland. His birthday will be I think two hundred and fifty nine years this year. Sure. Young. Um, he, uh, he, he is, he's still growing absolutely he you know i i'm not sure if most americans have heard of robert burns but obviously his work you know old lang syne isn't that that's based on a lot of his poems or yeah so so burns was not only did he write some of the the great pieces of 18th century literature and his peers were people like walter scott you know so he he was considered to be a great you know a literary genius but he was also a guy who compiled uh, old songs with new mm. verses. So Old Lang Syne was, was the combination of some of the old songs that he'd learned growing up uh, with verses that he'd brought together into Old Lang Syne, which actually is the second most sung song in the English language. Wow. After Happy Birthday. I should have let you guess that, yeah. actually. Um, but, you I know, think Dave would have got it. I, I, I was going to say that thing from Frozen, but what do I know? <laughs> don't, don't put a challenge out to two encycl- walking encyclopedias. I should know that. Um, but Burns actually... Uh, you know, I think most people recognize Old Lang Syne. Yeah. And, and it came yeah. to great prominence uh, in the movie uh, It's a Wonderful Life. And then huh. uh, probably more recently in other kind of, sure, of, of, of popular culture. Um, but, you know, Burns, I, I, there's a couple of facts that I love about Burns. One is that there are more statues to Robert Burns uh, around the world uh, than any other non-religious figure outside the Queen Victoria and Christopher Columbus. That's amazing. There's one in Central yeah. Park in New York. There is. Uh, there's one oh. in places like Milwaukee, <laughs> who, who Wisconsin, oh, no. uh, Sydney, Australia, all over right. all over the world. So he's he's a he's a huge figure. Yeah. Um, Maya Angelou was a huge fan. Uh, I actually was in a book years ago um, talking about how Robert Burns has impacted our lives, and a couple of page on pages on from from the page that I was in was Maya Angelou talking about how huh. uh, Burns was one of her greatest uh, creative influences. Um, Bob Dylan says that Burns' love song, My Love is Like a Red, Red Rose, was, mm-hmm. was his greatest uh, creative influence. Michael Jackson's even said to have been a fan. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln carried a book of Burns everywhere he went in his overcoat pocket. So, he, you know, he made an impact, not just in this country, yeah. but all over the world, actually in Russia, believe it or not. Well, um, he kind of he like set the path for taking the old folk traditions and bringing them back into literature in a way. He did. He helped the Scots find their voice again. Yeah. It was at a time when... When Scottishness was was uh, was being kind of I suppose suppressed to to, sure. to to celebrate our own culture and our language and our songs and yeah. uh, and wearing kilts and playing bagpipes and all those sorts of things and Burns actually uh, gave us a gave us a chance to to start doing that again. Right. 
Um, so, you know, he was, he was a fascinating and a very complicated character as well. Well, I think in, in Edinburgh, you can still see one of his houses, right, where he... Is Where that... he stayed, yeah. Uh, I mean, I actually am from a place called Ayr, A-Y-R, which is in the southwest of Scotland. That's where he was born. So mm-hmm. I was born about three miles from where he was born. So becoming into Burns and interested in Burns mm-hmm. and passionate about Burns wasn't really a choice when you right. grew up where I grew up. Everything from a chip shop to a bus stop's named after him. <laughs> so, uh, so it's, you know, there's hostelries everywhere that have been around as long, pubs that have been around as long as as he has so um he's kind of everywhere and his, his yeah. spirit just kind of lingers and and so you know being a fan of his is not really a choice it's a right when, passage when do you think that people started you know the celebrating his birthday in sort of the manner that you know now we've become accustomed to well the great thing is i think i think it's evolved burns died in um 1796 and there are burn suppers that that go back way back to the early 1800s um so you know, Burns has been celebrated since not long after he died. Yeah. He wasn't celebrated much when he was alive. He was one of these guys who, who lived his life and died penniless, basically. Um, so there's hope for us all. There's hope for us all, exactly. <laughs> you know, if we can leave the world a better place than yeah, we found exactly. it, great. But Burns might have wanted to enjoy some of the fruits of his success. But he was much revered posthumously, right. I suppose, in the last 20 years. I've noticed a difference. I've been speaking at Burns Supper since I was about probably eight years old. And I was always the little kid that was wheeled in, almost like a kind of circus animal. Look, this little kid can right. speak Burns. Let him do a wee piece, and then I'd be wheeled out. Meanwhile, <laughs> it'd be a bunch of kind of crusty old uh, men at the top table, you know, making jokes. And I remember thinking at the time, there's something not right about this. You know, everything I'd read, or as I got older and I became more enlightened to Burns, everything I'd read about Burns was that he was this great kind of uh, worldly person who who cared about the rights of women and the rights mm. of animals. And I thought this isn't his crowd. Right. Um, and luckily, over the last, I'd say, 20 years of going to Burns Suppers, they've become a much more egalitarian affair, which I think Burns would, would, would appreciate. Yeah, would have liked much, that. Much more so. Um, you know, 1792, Burns wrote The Rights of Women. Although he was known to be a, a womanizer, so we're not going to sugarcoat that. Right. He was a complicated character. Mm, sure. He was a man of great contradiction. Uh, he also was this, this guy who believed very much in, in, in the rights and, and speaking for the people who couldn't speak for themselves. And not only did they give us our language, he helped us find a, a voice. And, yeah. Uh, for that, I think we're all truly indebted. Obviously, now part of the traditional Burns Night Supper, people reciting Burns poetry, drinking whiskey, which I think we should start drinking a little bit, yeah, and then um, obviously idea. eating of haggis, the, the national dish of Scotland. <laughs> You're not going to ask me what's in it, are you? No, no, I, I, I don't. <laughs> no, the, 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 this, is, this is, you know, this is uh, this is a general audience uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, podcast, I, and we really don't need to inflict that on people. PG thirteen. It's better, you know, not to know what's in the sausage. <laughs> well, uh, let's make oh, a deal. Yeah. I, will, I, will, I will, You won't ask me that, and I won't ask you what's in a New York hot dog. Fair enough. Okay, Fair uh, we know what's Good in a New York hot dog. Haggis <laughs> uh, is actually surprisingly delicious and uh, I think I'm speaking at five burn suppers this week uh, Chicago and throughout New York and uh, I'll have my fill of haggis I might be ready oh, for a will. pizza become Friday yeah. night but uh, <laughs> but haggis is, is surprisingly delicious and the vegetarian stuff's pretty good too yeah good haggis is very good bad haggis is <laughs> I remember I spent less this, good I, I spent the semester um, in Scotland during college and the cafeteria in our dorm would serve it maybe once a month that I did not partake <laughs> of. I, I skipped dinner those nights. Yeah, that really doesn't something. bear thinking about, no, does it? No, cafeteria no. haggis is, no. is a really scary Although deep thought. fried haggis, uh, yeah. you know, we deep fry everything. Sure, yeah. And uh, you go to the chip shop, you can get a haggis supper, right. which is a lot like, you know, basically yeah. you can put 
deep fry our stuff around anything. And I've had some pretty nasty deep fried haggis. Uh, <laughs> haggis in a can. And you, know, you live to tell the tale. I live to tell the tale. It's not. It's not fatal. Right. Uh, that I will say. It can. It, it can be. Good. I think. I think the cure is whiskey. Uh, yeah, I, that's what I've heard anyway. So that's about the yeah. third time you've mentioned the whiskey. So I'm, I'm, I'm taking the hint. Uh, uh, let me, let me mention it too. Whiskey. Yeah. Okay. Ushkava. So Burns said, uh, "With Tippany, we fear no evil. We Ushkava will face the devil, or face the deal." That's from Tamashanta, which is his great uh, fairy tale. And he says, you know, with that's basically ale. So with ale, uh, we'll, we'll face the, uh, we'll fear no evil. We'll fear no evil, and with with whiskey, we'll we'll face the devil. And then I heard Ishkabaha. Ishkabaha, yeah. Uh, so Ishkabaha, as you know, you guys, I don't need to tell you this, but for those listening, uh, Ishkabaha, going back to the late 15th century, um, would be the water of life in Gaelic. Uh, Ishkabaha, they would say in Ireland, and Ishkabaha would say in Scotland. And Ishkabaha was, I suppose, shortened to Ushki, colloquialized to Ishki, anglicized to whiskey. So that's wow. the Those, are, those mm. are the three stages yeah. of how we got to what we, call, what we call it now. So. Speaking of which, we have four delicious uh, whiskies from the Aberlour Distillery on the table, and and you've got your eye on maybe one of them, or maybe all four of them. Um, I'm not yeah, sure we're we're looking at, the, we're gazing upon them right now with yeah. great interest. I'll say that. Okay, great. So, what would you like to start with? We have the twelve-year-old, which is double cask matured, uh, spends its life in two different cask types, bourbon and sherry, uh, for the full twelve years, and then we bring them together. The sixteen, also double cask, um, bourbon and sherry, both. A, Higher proportion of sherry casks, eighteen yet higher proportion of sherry casks, and then the abuna, abuna meaning of the origin in our language. Um, I'm sure you're very well familiar with abuna. Uh, it's 100% sherry cask matured, and it's also cask strength. So it's about, the, I suppose, the purest expression of mm-hmm. whiskey you can get from Aberlour. Um And you know, what time is it? Well, <laughs> I've got my <laughs> eye on that 16 year old. Okay, just as well I. Uh, How's that? That's a friendly sound. <laughs> Pouring a responsible amount of whiskey. Is there a traditional Burns toast? There are many traditional toasts. Uh, you know, he has lots of uh, graces that he would say the Selkirk grace. Some he meet and can eat, and some would eat that want it. But we he meet and we can eat and say the Lord be thank it. But it doesn't really precede whiskey. I used to always joke when people asked me to make a toast. Uh, you banks and braise of Bonnie Doon. I've just stood up and knew I'll sit down. Uh, but the purists don't like that one so much, so we'll just go with <laughs> we'll just go with the original, which is uh, Slangeva, which means good health. Slangeva. Oh, that is lovely. I remember spending an afternoon in uh, the town of Aberlour, uh, which is a lovely Highlands town. It was in the summer. I was with my uh, wife and my daughter, who was about seven or eight, and uh, it was a beautiful little playground and a and this little pedestrian suspension bridge and all this like weird gym equipment of the kind that uh, is outlawed in America because uh, <laughs> because of lawyers, which uh, we have sure. plenty of, maybe too many of. You know, we don't have any in Scotland. Not so many. Because no one knows how to pass the bar. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Oh, oh crickets oh. just rolled through the door. Ouch, ouch. Oh, sorry oh. to interrupt. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Andy, not to us. But uh, for me, the whiskey has always tasted like the place. It's a very oh. sort of soft, rich, uh, rich, mellow whiskey and extremely pleasant. Well, that's wonderful. And interestingly enough, the town, the, the bridge that you spoke of is the Penny Bridge. And our founder, a guy called James Fleming, uh, who built the distillery in 1879, he actually left in his will for that bridge to be built 
And it's a pedestrian suspension bridge. It's yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah. It's like a mini, like, toy Meccano or yeah. Lego <laughs> version of, you know, of, like, the Manhattan Bridge. Right. Yeah, it's, no, very, it's, it's very beautiful. Odd. So that's kind of his legacy. And that's yeah. what, the Spey River? That's it goes like... over the Spey, yeah, which is actually one of the best places in the world to go salmon fishing. Oh, yeah. Uh, the the spay is spay highly rods. sought after uh, salmon fishing stretch of water. Extra long Spey rods, I guess. That yeah, that's, it's, not really, it's not really my specialist subject, <laughs> uh, fly fishing, but I, I know some people that do know about it. I spent a very miserable afternoon uh, up to my hips in the Spey <laughs> once uh, trying to catch fish with a piece of floss and and a hook at the end <laughs> and a fool at the other. It was tempting. <laughs> and, uh, it was so in, in kind of a fairly aggressive downpour mm. when it was about uh, 40 degrees out. It like was, I could quit my day job or I could become a fisherman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Hard decision. So this is being a whiskey writer. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm miserable. Yeah. I would uh, be about 50 pounds lighter if I had to catch my own dinner. No. Oh. <laughs> It wouldn't be. It wouldn't work out so well. No, it wouldn't work out so well. For Burns Night, is there one of the the Avalauer whiskeys that you like to pair with Haggis? Recently, I've been finding that the Abuna uh, has has been holding up to the to the very rich and intense flavors of the Haggis. Uh, I think whiskey and food go very well together. I think very often we think of we think naturally of wine mm-hmm. yeah. with food, um, and sometimes wine can be completely drowned out by sure. food. And whiskey tends to have a bit more kind of Right. Uh, it's a bit more robust and, and is yeah. able to stand up to, to different food types. Chemically, there are seven times as many flavor compounds in whiskey as there are in oh. wine. So it gives us a chance to to pick out. Yeah, I think it also, you know, it depends on the food too. Right. Yeah. I mean, with like a Spanish garlic shrimp, I might not want whiskey. <laughs> right. But with something something yeah. like as rich and sort of not highly spiced as some Scottish food, salmon, things like that. Salmon and is then a, it works beautifully. Especially with a Spaceside whiskey. Yeah, yeah sort oysters. of cuts through that fat. Ooh, oh, oysters, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially with a Spaceside whiskey, I think salmon is a really, really good pairing. Yeah. When I'm not constantly eating lamb and Scottish food and haggis and stuff, <laughs> uh, some of the best pairings with whiskey are actually sushi. Interesting. I can uh, see that. Some yeah. of them have gone really, yeah. really well before. But um, yeah, I think a buna with haggis, uh, just because, you know, it's 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 just... It's its own. It's an animal. I mean, it just stands right. up really well to almost any flavor, and and holds its own. And just that that finish on a buna is just remarkable. Yeah. Do you pour it over the haggis? It has been known, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's. Uh, I'm just conscious of how many lawyers from my company are listening. But I, <laughs> anything in moderation, I think, yeah. is, uh, is. And is, uh, if you pour it over, do you set it on fire? It's certainly not. Uh, again, I think okay. it might be the health and safety department okay. might be listening I'm to that one. I have seen it done. Inquiring into the folkways. I have seen it done. Um, I mean, I, t- I, I address the haggis, so I'm usually in the kitchen explaining, over here anyway, I'm usually explaining to the chef, so you're going to carry the haggis, and he's looking at me saying, I'm going to, what, I just put mm-hmm. it in. And then the piper, so if you go that way and turn around and come back, <laughs> and then uh, usually a guy spinning bottles above his head, and it's, it's, a, good, right. it's a good lark, and then we get there and we actually... Uh, to address the haggis is to recite the words of uh, Burns's address to the haggis, which he actually wrote for a family who didn't have much, and they made him a, a, a lovely meal, and it happened to be haggis. And haggis would be a lot like most dishes where we're from in in, in Western Europe. Um, you know, nobody had any money, so everybody right. was just making do with all the scraps and whatever mm-hmm, else sure. was left, and that's how haggis came about. And uh, so Burns decided to write these lovely people uh, an address to the food that they. Wow. Uh, made for them and nowadays we 
we go to town on that, on that <laughs> recitation. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've seen it done with uh, pipers from the New York City Police Department, oh, for yeah. instance, uh, which is always fun. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. Because they wear their sidearms as they're doing oh. it. <laughs> Ooh, okay. or, or you take the knife out of your, your, your sock to, I, to I, cut I would, the... yeah, yeah. The ski and do, or the mm. black dagger, as, uh, as the translation would go. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes people get quite frightened actually when you suddenly just <laughs> brandish a, well, a, yeah. a knife. You know, it's funny in Scotland uh, if you go out in a kilt in the full regalia. As, sure. Know, if you go out in Edinburgh, there's always people coming yeah. from a wedding or a kelly yeah. or something, and you go up to a nightclub and and uh, there's like ten guys in kilts. The bouncer just stands there with his hand out, and he just, what he's doing is everybody. So you just now. When I go over there with mm. customers or whoever, and I just right. say to them, right, just just give me those knives. And right. I just yeah. walk up and hand a bag to the, the bouncer. And <laughs> so, I just so say, you're sporing with their knives <laughs> and just yeah. take it off. So do me a favor. Right? Just just can you somehow get that back to the hotel? Because there's no way that's, that's right. making that's it coming back to in. the hotel. Right. Um, oh so, yeah, it's quite funny. That's just standard protocol now is just to hand over your, uh, yeah. your ski and do as right. you enter a... They're real. They, for, for those who are, who are listening and ever wondered about it, those knives. Those, Sometimes they are. I think yeah. a lot of the kilt hire places have twigged and they now, they now make a plastic version. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, you know, that, it, that's just not right. What's next? Safety Built-in first. Underwear? Yeah. Come, on. Safety first. Uh, come on. Please. <laughs> come on, really? Are there any other uh, aspects of the Burns Night that, that we have left out or that people don't know? Well, you know, a, a traditional Burns Night would go kind of singing, there would be music. Uh, somebody would first of all address the haggis, then there would be, or so there would be a, a, a grace, which would be the Selkirk grace or something I just said. And then as you go through the night, um, there might be the odd poetry recitation. Mm. And then the the big speeches are the address to the lassies, as mm-hmm. Burns wrote lots and sure. lots about women and his love for women. And you open a Burns book, you see lots of different women's names. And some people believe that actually by the time he'd finished writing the poem, he'd already fallen in love with someone else. So he left some of the some of the love songs interchangeable. So there'd be the toast to the lassies. Nowadays, there's a response to the toast to the lassies mm. or a reply to the toast to the From lassies. From the lassies. And often the, the people who do that are married. That could get a little ugly sometimes. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so you can imagine uh, how that goes down. And then the immortal memory of Robert Burns is typically the keynote mm-hmm. speech, and it's somebody's own interpretation. Sometimes if you go to a purist Burns supper, they can, they can be heavy. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm a big believer in making Burns accessible and you know, I, I'm I think Burns is our William Shakespeare, Jay Z and George Clooney all rolled into one. So <laughs> you know you, you have to you have to yeah. make that accessible. And I was the youngest guy speaking at Burns Suppers for years and by by decades. And now when I go home to Scotland I see much younger people going to yeah. Burns Suppers and having having fun with Burns's work. And I think he would approve of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's so a living tradition. It should it's, be. It's, it should be a movable yeah, feast. Yeah. And uh, so I've been all over the world uh, speaking Burns Suppers with, you know, we're doing one at the moment where at the end of it, the guy starts singing 500 Miles by the Proclaimers. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just, you got to have fun with it. Yeah. And uh, and you can interpret his own work and, and just, you know, bring, if you bring more people to it then and they go and buy a book of his Burns yeah. and they celebrate it, and in 100 or 200 or 300 yeah. years, we're still going to be here talking about the guy. It's a wonderful excuse to open up a bottle of scotch, you know, spend time with friends and family, reading some poetry. We don't right. often need that excuse, but it's <laughs> nice to have the excuse. Absolutely. We'll take it. <laughs> For sure. I think it's, uh, it's a great opportunity. Scotland doesn't have... St Andrew's Day is our patron saint. It's St Andrew. He is nothing like the, the global giant that St Patrick is. And so 17th of March mm-hmm. is huge around the world for Ireland and does Ireland a lot of good, you know, in terms of promoting the country and, and get letting people bond with their, their heritage. Uh, so ours is November 30th. 
you know, it doesn't help that it's the Monday after no. the week after Thanksgiving. <laughs> but, no, no, no. That's, but that's, there that's are certainly no great yeah. parades in right. St. Andrew's Honour. Uh, and then in the US, April 6th, uh, for the last maybe 15 or 20 years, is, is Tartan Week. Oh, sure. Or Tartan Day or yeah. Scotland Week. Mm-hmm. And so we do, we do now have a parade yeah. up 6th Avenue in New York, but still it's... It's three weeks after the big Irish parade, so yeah. the Pipers aren't going to want to get There's on a plane. About six guys in, in, yeah. in kilts. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it is actually, it's growing, and, and it's, it's great yeah, fun, yeah. and I, I take my son, and we, we yeah. go, and we, mm-hmm. we celebrate our culture. But actually, Burns Night is the one night. Yeah. You, know, I, I, you can always be guaranteed that there are people celebrating Burns in, from Vale to Vladivostok, and yeah. from you know Adelaide to, to Ayrshire, where, where he's from. And so I think, um, you know, to, to be from the same place that this guy's from, and to travel all over the world, and you know, I I was once in Cambodia of all places, and my my little anecdote about Burns that just shows the the, the global reach that this guy had. This poor, you know, tenant farmer's son from from Alloway and Air, where I'm from, and I was on a motorbike in the on the back of a motorbike of this guy. I'd lost my friends, and this guy was helping me find them, and his fee was two dollars a day. I'll never forget this guy. His name was Jack Ty, and uh, he spoke like. 12 languages. This guy mm-hmm. blew me away. I'll never forget yeah. him as long as I live. And so we couldn't find my friends and I'm on his motorcycle and his phone rings. And the, th- the ringtone, this is 2003, the ringtone was Old Lang Syne. <laughs> Amazing. And it was one of those incredible moments right. where I thought, yeah, this guy really did make an impact. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know the other side of the earth. The thing. other side of the earth and this guy, you know, it makes $2 a day Yeah. and that, that's his ringtone. And he, he knew all the words. Wow. Like he oh. actually recited the words to the oh, that's I, mean, I know Scottish people that right. don't know any of those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um so it that that to me shows the, the, the global reach and, and really when it comes down to it, you know, we've got Sean Connery, we we've certainly got whiskey. In recent years we've got what's her name, um Susan Boyle. Oh, sure. Uh, we've got some actors <laughs> yeah. that are doing very yeah. well. We've got yeah. some great literary yeah. uh, giants sure. that are of the modern world. A few golfers. Couple yeah, a couple yeah. of golfers. We invented the game, doesn't mean to say right. we have to be good at it. But really, whiskey is yeah. our is our icon around the world, yeah. and uh, you know, to 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 be associated with both of them, yeah. it makes being a Scot, a homesick Scot away from home, that little yeah. bit easier to be able to go and share great whiskey with people, and also and also celebrate Burns. Well, thank you for for sharing some whiskey with us. Thank and, you uh, for knowledge about Burns. Appreciate it. Cheers. It's good to well. be here. I still have a wee drappy in here. Great stuff. Mind you well. Now that we have some delicious scotch in front of us and in our glass, uh, I thought maybe talk a little bit about the ways that people have always served drunk scotch, not when it's not just on Burton's Night, but all year round. Well, we think scotch, you know, is such a structural part of American drinking. You know, that's like the after dinner whiskey. It's the uh, the rich, you know, the rich smoky whiskey. Absolutely, it, 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 it goes with club chairs and uh, right. and leather and brass and right. all that and big cigars and and you know, scotch is 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 so uh, so appreciated right now and it's such a symbol and it's such a like I don't know icon of a certain yeah. way of drinking. Well, sort of a pillar of yeah. almost you know yeah. certain social mores and culture. Exactly, and, it's you know. it's it's you know kind of the rich guy whiskey. The funny thing is, up until about 
1890. The only Scotch whiskey we got here, it was single malt, but it was uh, shipped over as soon as it was distilled. They put mm. it in a barrel and shipped it here. Some people would age it in their cellars, some of, the, some of the wholesalers. Yeah. But most people just bought it from the wholesaler really young because we only drank Scotch whiskey one way in this country. And that was in a hot scotch. Interesting. And what's a hot scotch? A little sugar, a lot of boiling water, right. some of this cask strength, uh, almost unaged whiskey, right. and uh, maybe a piece of lemon peel. So basically a precursor of the proto hot toddy. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, basically it was a hot toddy. Yeah. And that was what you'd, you did with scotch whiskey right. because it was almost always smoky. Right. Uh, they were smokier then than they are now. It was uh, some of the uh, kind of mellow malts. Uh, yeah we get now weren't really part of commerce then. Well, I imagine also that, you know, people malting then it was sort of probably a less exact science and, you know, now it's. Yeah. And they did it a lot more over peat fire and peat smoke. I mean, now you can, you know, order malt with a certain percentage of moisture and a certain percentage of, you know, peat. And obviously that's. Yeah, back then the but, distilleries did most of right, their own malting right, and floor uh, malting. Yeah, and, and they used you know local fuel. Is it's it, it, the reason Scotch is smoky is because peat was everywhere and they didn't have wood or coal in Scotland. So you and I did a, I think a really interesting seminar I guess last summer at Tales of the Cocktail about Alfred Bernard, who's sort of the first whiskey writer, one of the first yeah, spirits writers. And you know what I love about him is that he was a writer and sort of about all types of things and. You get Voluxra, which is this sort of tiny aphid that eats its way all across Europe, right? And it destroys all of the vines. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's sort of, you know, a crisis about, well, you know, what can we drink? You know, now that, you know, cognac and port and everything else is sort of in danger. And people start saying, hey, like, uh, don't they make something up in Scotland? Like, yeah. you know, isn't there some kind of alcohol up there? And, you know, they dispatch Bernard to go up there. And, you know, he goes up there and uh, visits all of the distilleries. and writes a whole bunch of articles and sort of compiles them in this giant book. But up until that point, there wasn't even- People didn't know much about it. Even in the UK, like in London, you know, Edinburgh, I'm sure there was, you know, some whiskey, but definitely in London. And there wasn't a ton of scotch coming down. It was probably, I imagine, mostly locally consumed. Or or, it was also uh, re-distilled. It was rectified and turned into gin. Right. So they cleaned it up and, you know, it was was, like, oh, this rough scotch spirit. So some of the lowland uh, scotches that didn't use peat, you know, those were... And gin was so popular. I mean, it's unbelievable, like, amounts of gin, you know, know, at different points are produced and consumed Mm -hmm. that, I mean, now it sounds criminal to take scotch and basically re-distill it and make it into a neutral spirit. And then but back then, you know, no, it's, it was like whatever. Well, that's how much people wanted gin. They didn't yeah, care. Yeah, they would have distilled the, anything to make gin. Also, the scotch then wasn't the scotch we have right. now. Now it's uh, then, you know, a couple years in barrel was considered old, Absolutely. like three, four or five yeah, years. Sure. Now, you know, like 12 years is, is, is considered to be like really the sweet spot. And even, I mean, for a long time, you could get eight-year-old in you know, places like Italy or other yeah. markets and then. That's sort of been phased out. My grandmother in Trieste used to drink five-year-old Glen Grant malt. She'd have her friends over to play bridge, and they'd drink it out of these little tiny, uh, uh, like, three-quarter ounce glasses. But, you know, they were sipping some pretty fighting weight whiskey. Absolutely. (laughs) 
<laughs> now, though, you'd be hard-pressed to even find 10. Like, I mean, there yeah. used to be more, to, but it, you're right. 12 has sort of become the gold standard for single malt. And, yeah, and that used to be the outer limit of aging. You right. know, it was like after 12, it was considered it went bad. Now we've right. got, even sitting on the table in front of us, we've got a lovely 16-year-old, right. a lovely 18-year-old. Right. I mean, and you know, those are And real, that's fairly standard at yeah. this point. Different spirits represent different things in society, and, mm-hmm. and those those things often change. Even gin, you know, gin was sort of this mass crazy, you know, spirit, almost the meth, right? And now we see it as a very upper class, you know, bond. And we've talked about that on, you know, other episodes. And scotch, too. I mean, it's, you know, I I don't think anybody would. Oh, it's frightfully respectable now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, and back then, like, okay, you know, this it was a rough and ready, like wild, woolly spirit from up north that uh, right. you know you would you would take hot to uh, to drive deep into your your insides and uh, drive Absolutely. out all the cold, and that was all that was all it was good for. And then you know, obviously, sort of single malt sort of disappears. Like yeah. you know, you have the blenders. You know, Aeneas Coffee invents his column still around what eighteen twenty five or so. Is yeah, that 18, like 1828, 1830, like that. is his patent. So he, you know, he invents the, you know, the, you know, the column still or the patent still, you know, sort of produces a smoother, lighter whiskey. Mm-hmm. They realize, hey, if we blend all of these big, you know, volatile single malt with some of the column still whiskey, sort of smooths it out, marries it all together. You know, it turns out to be a pretty good drink. And that's where we get blended scotch. Yep. That, I mean, talk about viral. You know, I mean, we talk about viral now. I mean, that was viral. Like, that was viral. Blended scotch, you know, you know. Well, it. it, it it solved a problem, you know, right. it was like scotch was, was pretty wild. And uh, there was an opportunity with cognac fading because of phylloxera. Sure. They needed a mellower spirit. They, right. And so they said, well, if this French can blend their cognac, we can blend our whiskey. Exactly. And we'll use some of the lighter stuff. We'll use some of the, the other whiskeys to, to give it flavor and, uh, and lighter stuff to, to tone it down a little bit. It's almost like a stopgap measure, yeah. right? But a lot of those stopgap measures don't really, you know, once the regular stuff comes back, like, you know, chicory or something for yeah. coffee, you know, yeah, when yeah. coffee comes back, everybody wants coffee. But Others? once people taste yeah. a blended scotch, it went crazy. I mean, well, like it's... Winston Churchill said uh, at one point, I think, you know, when he was fairly young, my father drank brandy and soda. I drink whiskey and soda. Right. You know, and that was the whiskey was mellow enough so it could be a good substitute. Absolutely. And then you get, you know. Especially with you know prohibition here in World War One and mm-hmm. World War Two, I mean all the soldiers come back from Europe, you know, having developing a taste for uh, blended scotch. Obviously, bourbon has sort of been hard to come by because of you know prohibition in America yeah. and the wars. And really, I mean, you know, forty scotch is the good 50, stuff. 60, yeah. That is, you know, Churchill and his foresight allows the distillers to get grain before the war is technically mm-hmm. over, so they can start making it. I mean, there are shortages, but. That that becomes the drink. I mean, the I think the the man in the gray flannel suit. We've talked about yeah, this before. It was, it's you know martinis before dinner, scotch <laughs> after dinner. Exactly. You know? the yeah. And then maybe tiki on the weekend. Yeah. But that's about yeah. it. That's. But it, yeah, scotch becomes like the rec room drink. Yeah. I've got a paneled rec room in the basement. You know, I've yeah. I've even got television down there. Right. What what are we drinking? We're drinking straight scotch, scotch on the rocks, rusty nails. Exactly. You know, there's some scotch drinks. Scotch is being mixed with all types of things. You know, club mm-hmm. soda. Trambouille, which is, you know, obviously a scotch liqueur, you know, all types of stuff. There's the Presbyterian scotch and ginger ale, right, which I mean, is not actually a bad drink. No, with a little bit of club soda, right? Is yeah, that, it's like you, a, you could do it either way, yeah. Right. And or, or just scotching ginger ale or ginger beer, yeah. which is pretty good. But all of our, you know, crazy, you know, rules about drinking scotch that we have now, 
don't really exist then. And no, drinkers really. don't really feel, you know, encumbered by, you know, all of the ways that they're supposed to drink scotch or not supposed to, and they just drink it all types of there ways. Was, you know, there were starting the, the, this blended scotch hits America in around 1890, right? right. Uh, and you, you could see ads uh, in the newspapers looking for people to push blended scotch. You know, oh. we need salesmen right. for all the companies. So it's like it's it's suddenly it's like everybody wants this because you know what happens? America discovers golf. Right. And what do you drink <laughs> after golfing? Scotch. Scotch. And, you know, and who plays golf? I the, never, the, you the know what? With money. That's a really interesting point because I never yeah. really thought about that. But you're absolutely yeah, right. That's, that, that, was, that was like yeah. a huge part of the scotch craze. Suddenly everybody's drinking scotch highballs. And that's right. like a big deal. And you, you you need to get all the whiskey in. And uh, But people are also playing around with scotch cocktails, which right. is, uh, is, is kind of fun. You get the uh, Rob Roy, a guy uh, invented evidently by a guy in Hoboken, a bartender. For a Scotch whiskey rep, right. uh, who who people were drinking Manhattans, they asked him to have one. He said, "Well, I can't. You know, I'm here right. repping uh, right. my whiskey brand, uh, but uh, if you'll make one with Scotch, right. the bartender does, and it becomes you know right. quite popular. Great drink, and that's actually a great drink. Yeah. Uh, I really love the Rob Roy. And then there are a few other classic ones yeah. that come in. Uh, I think that people forget that Scotch and citrus is such a good combination, mm-hmm. especially orange. Yeah, and, orange and Scotch is very it's good. Really, and you know, you see that sort of showing up in a lot of recipes, whether punch or other things, yeah. you know, over and over again, and still good today. There's I mean, the blood and sand, which yeah. uh, I personally like. Some people don't. I like it too. I think they're wrong. Well, it tastes neither like blood nor sand. That's why yeah, I always. That, that's important. That's what yeah. I always like to get yeah. out immediately. There's no grit in it. Don't worry. Don't yeah, worry. It's yeah. not. This there's is not. not there's no blood in it. It's no. not sanguinaccio. There's no blood. No. There's no sand. I do it's like just, to make it with blood oranges, though. Oh, that sounds delicious. Which is actually kind of nice. They're it, a little zippier. And it's actually named for a movie, right? Like a bullfighting yeah, movie. Yeah, or, or with, the novel that it came from. Nobody's right. sure. Nobody knows who invented that one. Yeah, I mean, it shows up, I think, what, in, in Harry Craddock's Savoy cocktail yeah. book? That's, yeah, 1930. But, and that before that, there's not. A, I don't think so. I don't think it comes out. I think that's where it first shows up. I'm not positive. And it's uh, what but, Rudolph Valentino's in the movie. You know, yeah. right? there are some theories as to sort of where it comes from, but but not a ton. I mean, it's no, a not lot a ton. Of, it's kind of mysterious. I mean, I think you know, I've looked into a little bit. I, Gary Regan has definitely looked yeah. into it, and I think it's a lot of dead ends. I mean, yeah, it's just it sort of it doesn't. And Interesting mix of ingredients where it's what? Well, it's yeah, it's equal. So the traditionally it's equal parts good blended scotch, like a rich blended scotch, red vermouth, sweet, you know, Italian vermouth, right. orange juice, and cherry brandy, like right. cherry hearing type thing. And you can obviously, you know, now a lot of people obviously yeah. use single malt in addition to blended scotch, yeah. but I, uh, I love, and with a brandy cherry, right? That's Yeah, you, and you, of course you put the cherry in. Right. I know a lot of sort of bartender types who who are offended by it. Right. <laughs> you know. Well, I'm not sure where their anger comes from. I don't know. They they just think it's a stupid drink and 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 insipid. I, but I kind of feel like maybe the the orange juice is what, what yeah. sort of you know catches them up, and they have no respect for the any drink with orange juice. I think I, don't I know think why. you may be right. But, but if you uh, use you know you're right, blood orange juice, fresh. Yeah, that's squeezed. got a little more acidity to it. Yeah, uh, I, I don't. And it works really nicely. That's sort of so essential because again, yeah. scotch and citrus, such a great match. So, I, I, one of my favorite things in the world is uh, scotch whiskey punch, lemon juice and mm. lemon peel. You get the oil out of the lemon peel yeah. uh, and and sugar. Uh, you extract it into the sugar just by leaving it overnight together. Oleosaccharum, exactly, and that just uh, can be really delicious. Yeah. You know, it's 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 really good and simple. Also, yeah. hot scotch whiskey punch. Put in a slow cooker with a Finally a sugar, a lemon peel, cooker. and some nutmeg, right. and just a lot of lemon peel, 
and uh, and and scotch and water, but you know, is two parts a, water, one part scotch, and it's just hot scotch. Is there punch. An, is there an Instapot version of that? Yeah, you could you could probably well. <laughs> I don't pressure. Know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know what you would do with don't that. Don't put it in your pressure. Yeah, Sorry. no, uh, you got to no, be careful no. with uh, alcohol and vacuum. You know, now it takes a little bit of courage to mix scotch. Obviously, mm-hmm. it costs probably more than what it did back in the day. You know, when you know people were making punch or buying, right? Exactly. You know, in the in the turn of the yeah. century when scotch yeah, and was fairly, the blended scotches were fairly richer then than they are right. now. Most of them. It takes a little courage to to use, yeah. you know, a, a more expensive whiskey, but I think you're rewarded. I mean, a you're I not using so. a lot anyway. I mean, maybe an ounce and a half, two yeah. ounces. So you know, it's, and you know, again, the Rob Roy is is really, I think, a, a highly underrated drink. I mean, I know it's just it's simply a Scotch Manhattan, like two parts uh, good blended Scotch, one part uh, red vermouth, yeah. a couple dashes of I'll use like Peychaud's bitters. Yeah. Rather than Angostura for that, and or orange bitters even. I, almost saying that is almost selling it short. That's how yeah. much I love a Rob Roy. Yeah, and, and not it, that I don't love it a tastes, Manhattan. You know, and it, it's yeah. Manhattan like, yeah. but it's very different. Yeah, and it's it's got a special just sort yeah. of autumn and winter deliciousness yeah. to it. You know, that's when I when I drink those. It might seem odd, you know, that people like Regulus like what are you like don't mix my scotch with anything. Yeah, you know, yeah. like how dare you. Once you have some of these things, you you really like, begin okay. to understand. Like, That's completely legit. And and yeah. and as you've proven in 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 a lot of different articles, that's how it was originally meant to be yeah. used anyway. Like nobody, you know, one hundred twenty five years ago, nobody was sitting around being like, no, no water in there. Like, no, in no Scotland, uh, all, all the Scotch whiskey the Scots were drinking was yeah. going into into whiskey punch right. or hot toddy or any of and that even, stuff. Even now, if you yeah. go to you know, you're talking about visiting Abelauer before. Yeah. I mean, you go to Scotland. People are are a lot less precious with their whiskey, maybe they because they're surrounded. By yeah, it, but but and they know that it's it's not scarce. But, Although if yeah. you're if you're hanging out in Speyside, I think oh. the interesting thing is a lot of the people in pubs are drinking rum, mm. like dark demerara, rich sailor rum, because you know it's coastal, right? And that was That's sailor. You know the the, yeah. the British Navy served yeah. uh, people like yeah. rum like that every day, and so it was. Yeah. Uh, it's just kind of funny. It's like, wait, aren't you supposed to be drinking whiskey? <laughs> Or maybe they just, it's too much. Yeah, I overheard else. somebody years ago, uh, she was wedding planning in a pub, and uh, and she said, and, and then we've got two ca- two cases of old trawler, which is a, a rum. Wow, <laughs> amazing. That's uh, 20, 24 bottles of old right. trawler. Okay, that's, that's going to be a, a wedding. As they say in Scotland, slang java. Slang java. Enjoy. We'll catch up with you on another episode of Life Behind Bars soon. Always looking forward to it. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.